Welcome to Euphoria. Reminder, if you like the podcast, hit that subscribe button. <laughs> Smash that like. Uh, also, follow me and Cadrill on Twitter. I don't actually know what it does for us. Like, maybe someday we can sell out completely. But then when the number goes up, I feel good. It's that little endorphin it's boost. Satisfying. So, at Daniel Dracos, at Cadrill. Yeah, the boys. Uh, the boys. This is season seven, episode 11. As always, we are available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. It's a packed episode today, folks. We had a crazy weekend of game. And coming up on this episode, we're going to talk to Oda Wamne about his series versus Mad, as well as get his thoughts on the state of the league. League of Legends meta at the moment. We're going to preview the matches coming up next week and get Upset's thought on his year, his upcoming match versus Schalke, his his career, his everything. Uh, but to kick things off, we have to we have to talk a little bit about the games that happened last week. And I want to start by talking about Fnatic SK. Cadre, we had the pleasure of casting the series alongside oh, yeah. Ender. Um, who isn't here today? I miss him. You know, without without There's so much empty without space the plastic here. Yeah. prison, it's just not the same. No, you know, we we let him go. We let, we let him go. You got to let, let him fly. If you love him, you got to let him go. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? It's, it's like the Pokemon <laughs> where the ash lets for your Butterfree. Do you remember that scene? Oh my God. It's so sad, bro. That's the second saddest scene next to the Charmander scene. Oh, man. Oh, the no, oh, no, and the Pikachu scene in the in the first movie where There's he's There's a lot of sad scenes. And he's like turned stone. Oh, that no. I really forgot sad. about that yeah. one. Yo. Spoilers. If you haven't seen Pokemon, it gets, <laughs> Pokemon, it yeah. gets emotional. Uh, you know, almost as much as Shrek 2 for me. I cry every time at that movie, but that's a story for a different time. Um, Fnatic <laughs> versus SK is a League of Legends series that happened. League and last week we were very confident in predicting uh, the 9-0 weekend. Ender was. Ender, Ender was, was convinced. Ender was convinced of the 9-0 weekend. Um, that said, the 9-0 weekend was not completely... It was... It got, we didn't have a single 3-0. So... No, we didn't. It we was were completely, completely wrong. 3-2. Three, yeah. So here we are. Fnatic versus SK. Expectations versus reality. Expectations, 3-0. Fnatic, stronger team overall. Treats was the strong point for this team. How would they possibly get Treats to work against Hillisang upset? And then when we saw the series, Treats definitely had his moments. Mm. Overall, I think a very bloody, very scrappy series. But we got to call out the man of the hour in this series. While Fnatic did win, Gen X was the oh. man. There, okay, it was a bit of a Gen X gap, but Whippo was on tanks every single game, so oh, he sure, couldn't have sure. the actual impact. So Gen X was the one pulling out the carries. And you might just think like, oh, the Urgot game. Wow, he, he was so good. That's what I'm thinking of recently. But then he had the Nah game where he pretty much solo carried them to a win. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and then he had the mm -hmm. Aatrox game where he was the only one actually being able to do mm -hmm, things. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this, in terms of expectations, you you would think, oh, this is going to be a 3-0. Fnatic's looking like better form. They have the strongest bot lane in the league almost. And no, well, top two bot lane in the league. And SK's playing through bot all the time. So you expect, well, they're just going to smash them in bot and then SK's going to have no win conditions. But then Gen X steps up. And then it felt like there was a series on our hands. But I on, my gut feeling tells me that if Fnatic didn't throw that game to 10,000 gold lead, Azir, yeah. Zyra, Khan, and they actually stapled that game in quick, clean ending that they, I think they could have done, then I think it would have been a 3-0. I think this was our definitely our most one-sided series, I would say. Because mm. even Rogue Mad, although that series didn't go to expectations, and we'll talk to Odo about it later, I think this was probably our most one-sided series. Because you're right, that was, well, absolute credit to SK for finding the Miracle comeback. Yeah. It was like, and I don't want to hark on this guy too much, but Blue had a, had a trash series, right? Yeah, like, it, that's, that's, that is what it is. We can't jump around it. Like, I hope for, yeah. the, for he gets another chance. I hope SK continues to give him a chance. I don't think you should take a player down because of one series. But at the mm -hmm. same time, I'm not going to beat around the bush. He, that was not a good series yeah, for to, Blue. To be completely honest, I feel like Blue was never really in it. Uh, and he really was not showing up at all. And Tinks, to me as well, was kind Pretty of... Pretty invisible. Un invisible is the good word. 
I was not going to say underwhelming, but I felt like he was not making mistakes, but he wasn't really doing anything either. He was just power farming and then plays were happening around the map and he was just responding to them every now and then. Uh, and every play of his, like level three ganking mid, almost dying in first game to the Volibear Flash, it just felt like every player was getting countered by self-made in mid lane. Um, so to me, yeah, since Fnatic threw that game, it really felt like it was going to be a 3-0. I think it would have been a clean 3-0, but the fact that SK won that game, I feel like they got like a breath of fresh air when the series was 1-1. Yeah. And then they should have won I think the game where it was just Niski and Upset left to defend the base, two versus <clears throat> two versus four, two versus five, and then they all got ace, lost Baron, lost Elder, lost Soul or whatever it was, and then the game was over. So I feel like it could have been a five-game series. Yeah. But that game, if they didn't overchase and then just took a reset and then went to the Elder Drake or the Baron and they set up again, they probably would have won that. I remember talking to Treats backstage and he's like, yeah, I don't know why the hell we tried to end. I also think that there's an argument that if they if they played a little bit better on the force, they maybe could have ended there too. Because it was just it was one of those True. really awkward situations where it you could it felt to me at least as an outsider you could see that the team wasn't all on the same page like despite the fact that they were all in the same area like different people were different like different like closer or further away from mm -hmm. the tier you could tell that they were like that they were sweating a little bit in that moment that's what it looked like on the outside yeah and it's those kind of moments where it's like you question your amount of time because there's so many factors when it comes to the word this single sentence can we end has so many meanings behind it it's like Okay, so they're 40 seconds to respawn and we're on their tier three, let's say. Yeah. We probably can end, but then you, you have to take into account your champions, tower damage, uh, the enemy champions, how long can they stall, wave clear, where's your wave? There's like a lot of things to think about. And I feel like the only thing SK missed was just zoning them off the wave, yeah. which they didn't do too well. And then they all got chunked out. Well, they had shots. TP in that play too. So they like really wanted to get desperate for the end. They could have TP'd to a minion to keep a minion alive, keep, yeah. keep that bonus so ups. I, I think Fnatic was sloppy in that series. It for was sure. It was our most one-sided series, I must say. I think Fnatic were sloppy. I think there's a lot of things to take away from this, especially uh, their mid to late game of like how they threw these leads. Like I remember the, the game that they lost, they were 10k up and then the game that they almost lost, I think upset was like 7-0 coming out of lane phase and you're struggling already. So I think there's three things to take away from that series for Fnatic. One, uh, is this tank top Bwipo style working for us when I think Bwipo has been one of their best players or standout performance especially when Niski is more of a supportive role yeah, yeah. Uh, number two is our we need to fix our mid to late game macro in a sense and number three how do we snowball faster through bot uh, through whether it's the draft issue or whether it's just like is our map movements just poor yeah and a final note on SK like big shout out to Gen X big shout out to Treats they were clutching that series I'm really excited to see what they do the rest of the members obviously had their moments in the series while it was rough for Blue and Tanks Jezu had a few moments and curious to see if SK can evolve because they've been a team that's consistently made playoffs and then consistently essentially been knocked out in the exact fashion that we saw uh, in this series versus Fnatic. But I think you're completely right. Now, one of the nice things, we're going to talk to Upset today as well, but they also talked to Upset and PGL and talked to Bwipo at the end of the day. And we kind of heard from Fnatic and over-aggression, the big issue. He feels like, you know, they talked a lot about how confident they are in their individual players, how confident they are in their kind of fight-heavy, kind of scrappy style. It's just uh, once they win a fight or once they get a lead, why do they keep fighting? And even Upset said, like, I wish I could tell you. You yeah, know, like I seeing that. He was like, ah, I don't know, actually, either. <laughs> and that's, that's I think, really difficult, especially when you start to look ahead at Fnatic's schedule. But overall, yeah, I think one thing that Upset did say that I really liked in the post uh, in the post game lobby was essentially part of the reason that he was able to shine so much in the series, because Upset really did have a fantastic series, was because Whippo was tanking so much pressure. You know yeah, what I mean? Was. Whippo, was Whippo was the role player for the team. He took a step back. He said, hey, let's let upset carry. He played the way more defensive options. And overall, I think if you want to, you could probably try to keep doing that against Schalke. I think it's, it's something we'll talk about more when we look ahead to next week's game. But what I'll say is that if you are a Fnatic fan and you are 
and you're scared and you're nervous for them, I think that's fair, but don't be too scared. I think there's a lot of positives to take away from this series. But if you have 100% confidence, also don't have that. That's that's also crazy. I think the best things, if you're a fan of to take away from that series was self-made. It's kind of back. Like, self-made had a great series. He yeah. was everywhere, making plays happen. Every neutral objective was his. Fnatic's bot lane was showing up and Whippo showing his flexibility from like I remember when Whippo first joined Fnatic he was on tank duty alongside Soaz when he, they were sharing the spot yep. in 2018 I think it was yeah and Whippo talked about that like that's yeah. that's what he wanted to be he wanted to be the guy who kind of when Soaz wanted to be the more divisive guy who'd play more different things he wanted to be the opposite of that he wanted to be the opposite to whatever Soaz was so he had a different niche in the team and now he can kind of do whatever do you know what I love the most about Fnatic it's like I think I saw it on Twitter someone from tweeted from the LEC, I don't know if it was you or in there or someone about Hillisang having so many deaths or 100 deaths yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what number it was and Hillisang just tweets yeah that's the only stat I care about <laughs> so he only <laughs> loves to like go in and die he cares about how many deaths he can get in the game which is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life but that's just how Hillisang works it works he was for at him 99 deaths I think heading into the series just from the regular season which for context is an insanely yeah, high he's like number. way way further ahead than it's anyone else right beyond nuts in, in 18 <laughs> games to be at 99 deaths is like and I think the person right behind him I think was Mickey X so for context like most of the good supports in our league have a lot of deaths not that you should be dying if you are a support player in solo queue that is not what I'm trying to tell you just that there's Go a in. lot of risk takers <laughs> and Mickey was Mick, Mickey was like at least 20 or 30 deaths below Hillisang so oh, Hillisang dude. Hillisang's he is the king of death but you know every single I mean? one of his deaths is worth it i'm sure of it him and death are best friends like, yeah he high fives him on the way to the graves he's like back for another one he was saying he's like you know and, it. Uh, he's like you're holding the wave again weren't you yeah, <laughs> yeah but i got the freeze <laughs> how long did you stop that basis for well, about 30 seconds and you're in dead oh it's worth it though right <laughs> oh he like i love that guy oh he's a character dude <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of people who have mixed feelings about that play style, but I still have nothing but respect for Hillisang. I think the coolest thing about the, the Fnatic bot lane to me is upsets. Or, or upset supports have been like up and down throughout the last few years. I think yeah. it was like peaks of like Ignar really popping off and then all of a sudden upset and Ignar kind of fell off a little bit. And then I now... Think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go now, finish, now upset has like arguably the best performing support from Worlds last year from Europe. Yep. Next to his side. I think it's just it's just been fantastic. I think the problem that I see for the longest time is that like one, there were splits where he just didn't have a great support. Like I think the Destiny split was rough, and it's hard to say if that's like something between the two of them or if that's just Destiny underperforming generally. Although Destiny certainly had his moments on on the Nautilus, but yeah, even Ignar, as good as he was at like the hook champions and the playmakers, also had these big faults. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like he finally gets to play with the support who can do it all. Now, admittedly, most of what Hillisang does right now is just play really aggressive, but. That is really exciting to see how that has unleashed upset because this was, remember, like expectations for him. And again, we're going to talk to him about this later, was he needed to step up this split because essentially yeah. at a certain point, it's like, well, you've been on good rosters. You've been to finals a few times. Overall, kind of middling results compared to the other top 80 carries is mm -hmm. at a certain point we had to believe it was an upset problem. But the way that he stepped up with a good team surrounding him this season kind of cast that thought away. Yeah, definitely. Our next series, though, Schalke versus G2. <laughs> This was supposed to be the closest series. In true G2 fashion, it was absolutely not. Um, what's your take? Why was this series so close? Like, what's what's your take on, on this series? Because I've heard a lot of different versions. There's the, wow, Schalke got way better. There's the, wow, G2 underperformed. Like, what's, what's your version of the events? So the first two games, it felt like G2 were in full control. Honestly, from the draft, from the start of the game, the whole thing was just G2 favorite, I really felt. Like, even the Darius pick came out, I believe they were easily dealing with that. There was no problemo. And then you saw towards the end of game two, they were having a lot of fun. Like the Scion drifts around the map. They get into the third game, they miss a ban and everyone's just laughing their ass off. Yeah. 
And then slowly, like, you gave them a first pick, uh, Hecarim, and now you gave them Hecarim Oriana, and now you're picking Sivir into Jinx, and you're playing TF Sion against the Darius. So all of a sudden, I look at the Game 3 draft, I was watching the draft, and I was casting the game, and I was like, what the hell are they doing? Like, what is this draft? This is awful. And then you got into the game, and you could see they literally could not do anything. There was yeah. no damage. Your, your only damage was a Sivir, and your TF was behind, Lilias behind, and you're against the Darius. So that game... Game three, I'll accept it. That was just kind of lost in draft in a way, in my in my perspective. And then game four, you get to game four, and it's like Jankos has smite, loses Baron to Abadage, and then they're taking away dragons with Jinx rockets. And it felt like there was something shining down on Schalke that game where they won every single smite fight in the world without smite. And then game five, the reason this whole game was close because G2 just dove them on their tier two five man, yeah. got aced, gave Jinx a triple kill, and then got Baron. So... As much as I want to say Schalke played well, I think the best thing Schalke did in this series was the adaptation as the series progressed. I think their drafts got a lot better. Yeah. They realized what was broken. They stuck, to their, they stuck to their guns, right? I think a lot of teams would pick like the Darius and the Scion and then think like, oh, we lost the game. We're not going to play it anymore. But they played it. They carried on playing it and it worked. So. And I think one of the things that's really cool about watching Schalke play is that so often games are broken open um, against G2 on individual skill levels and it did feel like for the most part Schalke were able to match and especially Abadage I was really because the question I remember around Abadage for the longest time when he was Faker Dage last season was can he still show up on stage in these big high pressure moments and he did in this series I think he was a really solid contributor never really fell behind the caps won the early lane phase Azir versus Lucian pressured caps out like oh, yeah. watching in that game 5 when Abadage got that first push and, and took caps to like no health and forced him to TP back to lane I was like this game is over. But then he doesn't TB back. Yeah, but then like he stayed for too long and it all went to shit. Yeah, yeah but like in, in that two-minute moment where I got to look at Abadage and go, well, he just won lane when he absolutely should not have won yeah. lane. Like that was like, let's I, go Schalke. I think you're right. I think Schalke actually had a lot of glimmers of hope actually now that I think about it. The early games especially, they were winning yeah. every early Limit game. Was Limit was that cracked series. out of his mind. Everyone stepped up. It felt like Neon was the hyper carry that they needed. Mm. Abudaga stepped up in lane. Gilius' early games were a lot better than the, the regular season. Yeah. I think his early games, especially in game four on the Udyr into Lilia, that was a really, really good early game. Uh, and then Broken Blade, I mean, the man got a pentacle on Darius. He was 1v3ing people. This Darius tech is nuts, dude. I thought for sure it was griefing. I didn't know about Adam in the LFL, but apparently this has like been a long time coming and Adam is like the Giga Smurf top lane prodigy. I think the big, two biggest things you have to note about Darius, first of all, if you pick it in Sion, you win the lane. For uh, sure. Second of all, you can actually hook his Q charge, right? So if you yep. ever try to get knocked up, you just hook him and just one-shot him. Also, uh, Darius is... If you, if you, for whatever reason, haven't played against Darius, maybe because you ban it in solo queue or you're in a high enough ELO where generally people stop playing this pick, which is surprising because Ghost Flash Darius is like one of the greatest solo queue cheeses of all oh, time. Oh, it's in Challenger, trust me. Darius <laughs> passive is the most nutso, broken shit in the game. <laughs> he gets cracked out after five seconds. Level stacks. one, he gets 40 AD off his passive if he gets five seconds. So if you're Scion in the front, you're like, I don't really care if Darius gets an extra 260 AD at level 18. Like, yeah, of course you don't. But when he flash autos your AD carry for half their health and immediately alts them when he has passive fully stacked, like, you start to care very it's fast. The, it's the flash auto W ult. <laughs> Dead. Oh. Yeah. No, Schalke. After game two, I thought they were done, so I'll be honest. Yep. I felt like everything they tried failed. But they stuck to it. They did a really good draft. They adapted well. And I think that every single member kind of stepped up. Obviously, I think some members stepped up more than others. I think Limit, for me, was the deciding factor in the series. For sure. Because he roamed to mid, helped Abdaga a lot, helped Gilius, and then uh, wasn't around Neon too much. And then Broken Blade as well. I think Broken Blade and Limit were performing the best. Um, but yeah, Fnatic Schalke is going to be an interesting one. 
Fanatic Chalk is going to be crazy. And I think we we talked about it a little bit about it on the desk, but like limit as the biggest asset for the team. It's going to be a very different. He was given a lot of freedom to roam. And I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to get that same freedom versus Upset Hill. Same. Yeah, we'll, we'll check in on that later. Of course, we also heard from from Mad Lions afterwards talking about G2 and, and kind of anticipation of their series that they felt like G2 were playing at 50 percent strength. And while like I won't I don't really have a number. I think you could put a random percent number to it. Um, I will say that I would expect G2 to come in with a stronger read on the meta, a stronger understanding of what is good and bad after this week. And you can see that as great and as good as G2R as a team, still number one in our league, their prep is not infallible. They will still make mistakes. And you can chalk that up to, you know, trolling and draft and having a good time and, uh, you know, banning nothing or whatever. Or, But in my eyes, they, they maybe just didn't know 100% what was the best, which I think is fair for any team coming into this first week of playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's the interesting thing because if, if you look at the teams as a whole, you look at, for example... Let's take G2, Fnatic, and Rogue, okay? Yeah. Wunder was on tank duty. Whippo was on tank duty. And Otto Wymnate was sort of on tank duty, right? Yeah, he had yeah, JSHOX, but he had half the sound games. Whereas you look at the other teams, like Mad Lions, you saw Armwood playing things like the Wukong. So he was playing really aggressive. Gen X was playing like uh, Urgot and Jace. So you can see the difference in teams. I don't know if that's because of the scrims or you can kind of see who they're scrimming. Uh, and even Schalke with the Darius. So you've got three teams who are playing tank top which are arguably the best teams in Europe after the regular, regular split. Yep. Then you've got the three other teams who were like fourth, fifth, and sixth who are just playing carry tops, triple threat compositions. And then you look at the results and you're thinking like, Mad beat Rogue, Schalke almost beat G2, and SK were kind of matching Fnatic. So you question yourself, are they just reading the meta better? And were those three having screams against each other? Whereas G2, Fnatic, Rogue, which you would expect, were just screaming each other because they're the best team, so you may as well get the best scream partners. And they found that weak side top was just the best play. So I think the meta is just interesting looking at the playoffs round one. Round two will be even more interesting, I think, because then we'll see how teams adapt. So which which one was the better one? Is blind pick Sion really the way forward? Or is it better to just try and get a better top matchup, ban some top laners and blind pick something like Urgot? Yeah, and I think... I'm of the opinion this meta is kind of trash. <laughs> like, okay. I honestly just think it's trash. But we'll talk to Odo about it because I want to get his thoughts as well. <laughs> is it Azir Corky as well? <laughs> no, it's just it's just like Oriana mid and speed junglers and everything else is kind of bad go mid fast. jungle. And that's it. Like that's it. Like every other team. Like for the record, is Oriana six one is a preview to that discussion. Dude, we'll I love, with Odo I love Formula moment. One, dude. Bro, it started. You, you yeah. can watch Formula it's One. A Formula then you can one watch weekend, LEC. And then you got Hecker. Hey, yeah. Let's go. I only know anything about Formula One because you made me watch that series, but it was a banger so i'm let's go it was it's an absolute you banger. also watch it it's on netflix what's it called actually drive to survive drive to survive it's sick i do not care about racing i am not a gearhead in any sense but it is a very well-made a series so uh yeah if you if you are keen at all to learn about formula one it is a fantastic documentary um recommend that said let's get odo in here let's talk about the last series on our list rogue versus mad we're wondering what happened and who better to tell us what the hell happened in that series than uh the man in the top lane himself man, the legend it's now my distinct pleasure to welcome none other than the weak side king, Oda Wamne. <laughs> First question, how do you feel about that name? We we like we coined it pretty early on. Do you like the weak side king? Do you do you want like a king based title? We're, we're we're pretty much everything in we've figured out now we see has to be royalty based. Do you want to be like the the farm the side lane emperor? Like what do you what what kind of title are you looking for here, Odo? I mean, the king thing is, is uh, we always meme it, you know, because like um, whenever I listen to you guys cast, well, at least a couple of seasons <laughs> ago, and then I hear the old kings, new kings and stuff. And I'm For like, sure. yeah. you guys, you guys have some resurgence every once in a while of those like narratives. And I'm like, oh, here come the narratives. And uh, now that 
because you know like i've i've been with you guys so long that whenever yeah. i hear it i know like it's it's the narrative meta where you guys talk about the narrative for like five to ten minutes and i'm like oh is the narrative part of the of the cast <laughs> and then we have the, the normal part of the cast but, you know but the, so now when i when i get weak side king i'm kind of cringing a bit inside you know but <laughs> not because not not because it's a bad title but i just know it's like in part of that narrative meta you know yeah. But in the office, the meme is that I'm the, the weak side machine, you know. So uh, oh, okay. You, guys, you right. guys are not that off, you know. Yeah. No, but it's it's funny how it's gone from King's Legacy to this split. Larson was called the Ginger God, so now we're getting into some kind of you know the deities, the deities yeah, area, the demigods, gods, and we put <laughs> yeah. machines, robots. <laughs> and to be fair, like it was definitely the old Kings, new Kings dynasty legacy split was a bit grief, but like sometimes I'm I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> sometimes I like that was rough. Like we definitely like that split. I think it's fair for people to be like, all right, y'all, y'all took it too far, and now we just have to live with that, right? Because like this season, I don't think it's too much. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, everyone's like, the second we do anything, they're like, I swear to God, if you say legacy or dynasty, I'm muting the stream. I'm like, all right, all right. We just one, just one. We side king. We side king. Just one. Just let me get one in. I need it. I need it. You got to understand for the people out there who don't watch every game, we need something simple that they can grab onto. That's why we do it. You know, for the diehard fans, they're going to be like, guys, why are you saying this? Like, yeah. you don't G2 keep winning. You don't need to call them the kings anymore. But for Joe Schmo, who doesn't know who Odo Omni is, we're like, we could say he's really good at side laning and maybe they'll understand what that means or we can call him the weak side king. And then when his friends go, why do you like Oduwamne? They go, because he's the weak side king. Branding. Now we should call him the weak, weak side, side machine. machine. Yeah. Because yeah. you're just a robot. I mean, weak side machine island. is... Uh, yeah, weak side machine uh, is a bit more fitting. But yeah, I mean, compared to the previous seasons, the narrative part is not exceedingly long anymore. You know, like I, I identify it and we kind of... Can, we can both move on quite fast and just mm -hmm. enjoy the rest of the cast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... It's, it's, not, not, it's like not there for you, Mr. Pro Player. It's there. But it's sometimes there you for get... I mean, sometimes you guys would start like in seasons past, it would start at game one and then the narrative part would end by like game four and then game five was G2 Fanatic and then the narratives were like cast aside, you know? I think, yeah, I'd like to think we found a balance where we remind people the stakes, <laughs> the history, like when you and Yankos play each other, we'll be like, these guys were on a team for so many years, brother, killing brother, you know, like we'll get that narrative in there for sure. But then we'll talk about the game, you know what I mean? But like, it's good. You got to set the context for the people, man. Um, that said... Mr. Weak Side Machine, were you the Weak Side Machine this week versus Mad Lions? What what happened? You already talked about how the series this week were uh, a little bit crazy when we were off air. You talked a little bit how everyone was all over the place. But what happened to Rogue in this series versus Mad Lions? Uh, I would like to think that I was kind of Weak Side Machine first three games. Game four, I kind of joined in on the Fiesta alongside the rest of my crew. But uh, I feel like First three games, my performance is quite respectable, at least in terms of like laning stats, because now that's the narrative around me, you know, like stats, stats are good for me. <laughs> so, but... okay, but to be clear, like at some point, it's just analysis, because like those are, those <laughs> numbers, numbers don't do, lie. Those numbers don't lie and they do mean something. We're going to, at some point, we need to draw the line. <laughs> I'm going to be like, Odo is very good at side laning. He manages his waves really well. And you're going to be like, this guy with his narrative coming in, talking about wave <laughs> management. What a story. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, for sure, I think game three, uh, I played late. I mean, game one, two, and three, I played kind of lane really well in all those three games, even game four. Um, uh, what I did in game where like I died to the gang, I even told my team it's a good death, you know, mm -hmm. on the spirit of Babus. The boss. Because I, I mean, yeah, I mean that that doesn't really matter, you know, because I mean I kind of saw it coming, but I was kind of locked in my Q animation and he just he flashed, so I could not like dodge it. 
But then I was like, okay, whatever. He blew flash. Um, lane is still fine. I managed to push out. And then I'm a, I'm a sign, you know, so it doesn't really care. I just tanked the gang. But then, yeah, I joined in on the Fiesta. But overall, I feel like, um, I mean, it was kind of like a crazy series because um, even though we scrimmed on stage, part of like, you know, uh, tech check, you know, to make sure everything's fine with uh, mm -hmm. broadcast, the PCs and all of this, we didn't really like encounter the issues we had on stage against... Um, against mad and we kind of like identified what it is you know because i mean you could say it's like choking you know i mean yeah. everyone kind of chokes in their own way it's like the choke you know where you kind of forget how to play league of legends there's this choke where you're like okay uh i can't trade here because what if the enemy jungler is here there's the choke where you're just like ultra quiet and you don't say anything and everyone's thinking what is happening you know mm -hmm. and there's also the choke where you're just floating comes to like exceed, exceeding amounts of like level, you know, where you're just like, um, you have to use kind of like your whole brain power to just filter out mm -hmm. the useful from the useless information, you know, and that's kind of like, I think what happened to us were like, I mean, early game was like early, early up to like start of mid game was like fine in all four games. I feel like, um, like we were just winning lanes pretty much all the time, maybe except game two where bot was kind of trading, you know, uh, solo bolos with each other, um, <laughs> single dingles, but yeah, single dingles. Um, but I know, I feel like come mid game when it, it came all about, you know, like teamwork, there wasn't really like this, um, level of communication that was like always there in our games where we're just kind of have like, you know, time to think mm -hmm. and we're kind of like relatively calm and we can easily decide, uh, what we want to do together. You know, I just felt like it got to a point where comms just got like flooded with uh, a lot of like useless information and instead of just like making one team-based call you know everyone was just kind of like suggesting more you know more than we needed to do because like game four once we got our affiliates to be a million kills and uh i didn't i wasn't going on the end train yet i feel like the game was 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 really free given it like how many drakes and how easy it would have been for our comp to hold control of like all the chokes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's kind of like the story of all games, you know, where going into next week, we just kind of need to figure out how to stop the cons from flooding, you know, because I feel like uh, it's kind of like the same story as we had in all our losses so far this split that were just our biggest enemy, you know, because I always felt like that all the losses we had so far were just our, like us shooting ourselves in the foot yeah. instead of like, being a skill gap you know even like the losses against she in regular season and i feel like all these three losses against mad lions were uh, just us playing really bad you know and it's not like getting skill gap it's just like an, an, an anomalies you know happening you know so it's kind of like uh it was kind of like a new scenario like a new situation for everyone in game that you know it's kind of this like it's panic inducing in a way mm -hmm. where you're just like always used to having this environment you know and then it suddenly changes and then you kind of have to adapt in a high-pressure situation to kind of try and get back to like that level of stability that you had before. Mm. That's, I mean, that's of all of the things that I thought would like potentially plague your team in playoffs. I wrote like for every team, we brought up the, to the talking point, like how much does stage affect performance, right? Because it's, it's a valid question. It's been so long since anyone has played on stage, even a G2 you know, a team full of veterans, we were still wondering how much it would affect them. But Rogue was not really on the list of teams that we expected at least to be affected by the stage. I'm actually, I'm very surprised to hear that that's kind of what happened. And that's also, to me, 
super rough of a problem to try to fix mid-playoffs because you don't really get a chance to replicate that stage situation until next week, until next Sunday, when you play an elimination best of five. Like, How do you guys actually approach practice now this week to kind of course correct and and clean up comms? Because if if in scrims the comms are fine, like how do you actually recreate that scenario to actually fix those problems and get that practice in? And I'm personally not so worried about it, you know, because in the grand scheme of things, yeah, you lost the chance to lose and stay in the tournament. Um, and it's like uh, pretty much just one extra PO5 that we have to play because if we win against Fnatic or SO4, then we're back to playing against, let's say, MAD. And we're back to, to where we started, you know. And then if you win, you play against G2, which would have happened if you would have won against MAD. And all of a sudden, you're just like, you're just lagging one best of five behind. So... I'm not really too concerned, you know, that that we lost. I feel like this loss was a good loss for us because I feel like um, given how our performances have been in Spring Split, how scrims have been going and stuff, a loss like this is kind of a good shakeup, you know, because it brings you aware to issues that you did not know were there before. And even though, yeah, you would say this like a stage issue, the fact that the awareness of it has been brought up to this issue. And now you know that, okay, even if we're not playing on stage, we're going to scrim this week. And we know this is the problem that's been like happening, you know, on stage. I feel like the, the fact that we know what the problem is, it makes it a lot easier to fix, even though you don't have the environment, you know, we're not mm. scrimming on stage. Mm -hmm. We can't really replicate that high pressure uh, situation that made the, the problem be there in the first place. I feel like just because we know what it is, we can like find situations for it. Like, for example, say we can focus on scrims this week. We can filter out useful information from like useless because even though in scrims, even if there's no like stress or anything, there's still to some extent a level of useless information being like, you know, spammed out in comms, you know, like, oh, this guy's boosted or, oh, this guy's losing, or, you know, stuff like this. You know, you're not really talking about waves, you know, like, let's make this happen on this wave and stuff. Because, you know, if you have something as basic as that, then even when you start flooding homes, say you start flooding homes again, you kind of flood it with good information, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and we can maybe even look to distribute roles to some extent, you know, mm. to... Who, who we know is kind of like anything comes, we can like, I mean, it, this is a joke, but you can just like, just ban him from talking, you know? I mean, it might <laughs> just be mute a band-aid, you know? <laughs> yeah, just, just mute him. Like, you know, just just don't let him bring chaos into your, uh, yeah. your team, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we need to try, you know? We have, we, have couple, we have four days, I think, four or five days of scrims. And I feel like, um, as I said, this loss was a good loss for us because... Uh, when you win too much, you kind of need someone to to kick you in the ass, you know, to kind of say, okay, you're not you're not there yet. You need still have a lot of a lot of work to to figure out, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I think it's gonna piss a lot of people off, but I don't really mind because there's a lot of people getting pissed off about everything. But I feel like no one from my team thought that Mad was like better than us, you know, through, while we were playing because we were playing and we were like, oh my god, these guys are just you know worse than us or they're just like sweating just as much as we are you know because we we knew we were like something was off with our game but we also knew that something was off with their game you know so i feel like if we manage to tackle our issues and we go into rematch it's it's gonna be kind of like what everyone predicted you know because i felt i felt like in terms of skill it was not even close you know mm -hmm. 
but it's just like these issues that we were like facing and they were probably facing as well, you know, but to a lesser degree than us, uh, just kind of made it that it was, uh, three stomps like that, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. think you could see it from the outside, especially on game four, where it's like you have a 6,000 gold lead, you have all the Drakes almost. And then oh my God. everyone just- Oh my God. is giga fed. Yeah. I, I love Ophel watching Ophelios in pro play. I was like cracked. I was like, they're inching. He's got 20 shurikens. Yeah, Why are they so, fighting hard? And he's just so, murdering everyone. But oh. then it was like people getting caught. You could see the game wasn't progressing in a way. And then yep. I guess this all comes down to over-communication, right? Which I think I've experienced over-communication as well. Personally, it's like people just saying way too many things. There's way too much shit being thrown around that actually doesn't need to be said and if they just focus on one thing together and everyone comes up with the same kind of everyone just agrees on the same plan or one person directing the comms it just makes it so much easier but i think it's it's a problem which is fixable in a way where it's like i think Adam is right just someone needs to talk a lot less you talk a lot less and then let us do lots of talking take a lot of the brunt of the plans and stuff reason number like three million why i could never be a pro player because the only thing i want to say in comms is like let's get this guy to to, to <laughs> censor myself a little bit like let's mess this dude up let's mess that dude up like this guy's griefing this guy's inting oh sorry guys i ran it like i don't want to say like wave state that sounds like god damn dude it's like i'm reminded all the time that it's a job i'm like please let me just talk shit in comms i just want to be a dick uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really work because you can go into a, a middle of the fight and say fight 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 go 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 no, I've, I've do it with Dracos if, they ever, <laughs> if, what it is. if there's ever like a CSGO equivalent coaching position I just want to coach a team for one day so I could be like Gaia <laughs> what is this griefer doing get him you know like just direct I get them. fired after one day <laughs> I mean I'm not typing it but I'm saying it yeah I'm, Ride the, I That's mean, crazy. no, I'm, what am I time? I, that I, sounds like I, a good time. It, it, let me know. Hit me up, bro. I'll grief you in normals, but we're going to have a great time. That's all I'm saying. Um, and also, Ryan Games is listening. In which case, yes, so I say clean. nothing. In, in comms, I am as wholesome as I am. In, in text chat, I say GG, have fun. Everyone, everyone, you're doing great. Sorry about the underperformance there. You know, uh, gotta follow the summer. It's just a rough, rough game for for you over there, buddy. Um, that's how I communicate. Um, last, last thing I'd love to get your thoughts on, Odo. How do you feel about this meta right now? Because I look at the meta right. I so I'm not a big fan, is what I'll say. I see Oriana, Queen of the Mid Lane. No one comes close. That's my read on it. I see fast junglers, Volibear, Udir, and Hecarim, and I see Scion nar bands and then things that people play into scion like to me it feels pretty stagnant i'm curious what your read is how much more variety do you think there is how do you and kind of rogue feel about the meta right now um i mean you're kind of accurate about the top lane part i'm not so sure about jungle if volibear is that op hmm. but the part about top lane is is right you know just kind of like scion and uh picks that people think are good into Cyan, but are <laughs> not really so good into Cyan, you know? I mean, you can make an Aatrox work, you know? You can make, uh, I don't know, what did Darius. you see? We saw Karma, I think, at one point. You see yeah. the Darius thing, which I still, I'm not really convinced about it. I feel like it's just, you know, you're you're punishing the end in a way, but I feel like there's a point in the game where Cyan is just pressing W and tanking six hits of your AD carry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like for top lane, the the time it will get really spicy is when top is not really picked in first three. And then if you take out Sion, then that's when you're having good times on top lane where you're like, oh, my God, they banned Sion. Now we need to ban this. And then the other team is like, oh, my God, they banned this. We need to ban that. And then you kind of go into this flowchart, you know, of making a pick OP for top, you know. And I think you kind of saw it, saw it versus Mad, you know, where all of a sudden it was uh, Aatrox versus Wukong. 
And at one point, even like Urgot is picked, you know, if Sion is out, then Urgot becomes a blind pickable champion and stuff like this, you know. That's when you get a lot of fun stuff in the top lane. But, I mean, for top lane, people are like, oh, he's just top lane, just pick him Sion, you know. Just let him play <laughs> and stuff I, like this. I people don't it. really want to. People don't really want to invest resources into top. They're like, you can play Sion. That's really good for you. You can do that. It's no problem. <laughs> just pick Sion. Then the enemy team picks like Vayne, and you it's don't like need, uh. you don't. You don't need any bans for Sion. That's even better. Okay, let's ban two mids here and pick Sion, and then that's kind of like how it goes, you know. Um, as for mid, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like it's becoming stale, you know, because it's it's also a couple of weeks on the same patch. People are just trying to figure out uh, new things that work and stuff like this. So I feel like um, going into next week, maybe meta shakes up a bit. Maybe people start wanting to ban Sion or they figure out something else for mid. Oriana gets taken off or TF becomes higher prio and stuff like this. As for jungle, I'm not convinced about Volibear because... The reason why I feel like Volibear was OP before was that he was doing this Q-Max thing that he had 70% movement mm -hmm. speed. But now mm -hmm. I guess he has Kim Tank, so it's kind of the same thing. But I still feel like this champion will get out-tempoed or out-cleared by stuff like Udir or Lilia. So yeah. uh, I think if you dodge the level 3 gank, when you really need to uh, be careful about the level 6 dive, because I feel like that's one thing that people forgot about Volibear is that... Uh, his dive is quite OP just because you disable the tower and then you kind of have a free dive from 100 to 0 pretty much, you know? So I feel like if these things don't really happen, then he kind of gets out-tempoed by other junglers, so... Yeah, I think we saw that in game 3 as well with the Volibear just jumping over a wall, disabling the tower, and then yeah, your bot lane's just dead. <laughs> There's no counterplay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, I think that it is... was not fun. It is a good call out too, especially when we saw so many, I think every single team that we've talked to or interviewed has basically said like, ah, we weren't at 100%. You know what I mean? So I think that with every single team acknowledging that, that like teams were struggling with that first week back on stage, like that definitely feels like a time where Volibear would shine. You know, the champion mm. that can just dive a tower, that can just point and click stun you, you know? Yeah, I just think junglers right now, are, you're, either, you're either power farm, you're good at, and then you're good at starting early drakes and you're good at early skirmishes, right? That's Hecker and in a nutshell. And then... Volibear just comes into the context where his his clear is slower, obviously, but his one v one is quite strong. He can he can easily do drakes and he can go for early dives, right? So I think that's just the difference of trade off versus uh, I can scale and get to six versus Volibear wanting to dive your team and looking for level three ganks. And I, I mean it's true if you respect it, um, then obviously the level three Volibear will fall off, which I think is one of the strongest junglers level three. Um, but there's also ways to be creative in finding your your lanes, finding the dives or whatever it is. But yeah, I'm just. I'm so over chem tank, bro. I'm just so <laughs> tired of like full tank hacker rooms one-shotting carries. Like it's just, I do not need that shit in my life. I don't need it in solo queue. I don't need it on Slade. Um, yeah. Odo, as a final question before we let you go, I would love to get your thoughts kind of on the matches that are upcoming. The most important match, of course, for you, Shalka versus Fnatic. Who, who do you expect to win? Who do you expect to be facing on Sunday? Um, It's kind of hard because um, I feel like their trajectory as teams have been like quite different i feel like Fnatic has been slumping a bit but they kind of beat sk but it wasn't really like super convincing because sk got a win in game two that should have never ever happened i mean i guess it's kind of like the same win we got uh mad lines got against us in game mm -hmm. four so i guess we're both bad um <laughs> but uh shalke was shalke surprised me because i feel like they out of all teams they kind of stepped up the most i think and their performance against G2 was pretty good. So uh, it's hard to say. It's actually first time, I think, where I can't really pinpoint 
who's going to win or like mm-hmm. who's going to be better in a best of five between Schalke and Fnatic. But uh, for my boys back at home in Schalke, then I, I think Schalke is going to take it and we're going to play Schalke um, the next time we, we play. So, narrative. Narrative. Odawamne versus his old team. That's what he wants. No more kids. It's like you're New like team versus old team. You're 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 the big boss as the current highest placed former Schalke member. It's upset former Schalke member playing Schalke to see who gets the who gets the right to fight Odawamne for who is the last <laughs> Schalke player <laughs> no. standing. And that's how you make a narrative. No, Boom, ship it. No, no, it's actually a banger narrative. <laughs> actually, out of out of the all the ones you guys did so far, this one is really creative, you know, because it's like you know, it's like re- re- it's like the stuff redditors love you know it's just so deep in the in the bullshit pool that everyone loves it you know yeah luckily me and drake it's, are casting great. the game so we'll, we'll push we'll that bring it in. we'll bring it up we're casting the game <laughs> <laughs> all right it's great i love it all right odo thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us dude good luck on this week in scrims uh, excited to see how you guys kind of shape up coming into this week and uh, yeah best of luck on sunday i assume you'll you'll get to watch alongside us on on friday and saturday see who you're you'll going to hear the narratives you're going to get to hear the yeah, narratives I'm, firsthand. I'm looking to see yeah, yeah, I'm looking to see if you guys didn't have this. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's see scrims. Uh, I'm confident and hopeful we can uh, fix our issues. And yeah, put up a better game on Sunday. And always a pleasure to uh, hang out with you guys. Yeah, man, awesome. we'll, we'll get you in the studio sometime in the future. Uh, otherwise, yeah, have a good week. Have a good set of practice. And we'll, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. See you guys. Peace. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to Oda Wamne. What a legend. Dude's a riot. The weak side Actually, We have such good guests. I love both these boys. <laughs> um, <laughs> excited to talk to Upset 2 in a few minutes. But before we do, I think we do need to talk about some of these matchups that both of our guests are not participating in. In this case, G2 versus Mad. Now, really interesting to hear from Odawamne. After this series that Mad play, it feel like people just like, in regular season, we're like Mad or the tier below, right? It was like G2 below, rogue, yeah. below G2 by a decent margin was Rogue, you know, based on what we saw in best of one. And then far below that was kind of the rest, Mad being at the top of that pile. Mm-hmm. But after the series, everyone was, I would at least was pretty much on the Mad hype train. Mad bot lanes really stepped up in the last series that they played. It was looking good. But Odo, I think, kind of cut that down a little bit. He said he feels like everyone is underperforming, let's say, and he feels like ah, any other day, you know, when he believes that he'll get to semifinals probably against Mad, he's going to smash them. Like, mm-hmm. but... How good are Mad, Cadrell? How good are Mad, really? Like, because this is a this is obviously a big series and a big test, and we can say historically that Mad Lions did beat G two in a best of five game yep. five. Shadow popped off. Can El Yo Yo rise to the challenge? Yeah, you know, there's like a lot of talking points here historically. I don't know how valid they are in this best of mm. five, but El Yo Yo's a beast. I don't expect any of the like performance anxiety to be here in this series. I just just straight up five v five, assuming both teams were playing on form. How what can Mad do here? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Mad's this team that we've been talking about the whole split, like you said, just one step behind. And we were always like, can Elio, yeah, can Armwood go into shoes of Shadow Rome in regular season form? You know, this team beating G2 in a best of five, yeah. coming second place in summer split. So it's really hard to say because it always felt like Mad's a step behind. But just looking at them now, they look like they're they're on form. They're incredible. And I think the biggest thing that I attribute to their, their success is their meta read is, is flawless, I feel like. They're... Training this triple threat composition. They're making sure they counter pick top. They don't give a, they don't give a crap about the Scion pick, really. And then they're having this volley bear jungle. Elioya has been probably the best early game jungler in the in the regular in play- season. Well, in playoffs and now in too. playoffs as well with the volley bear. He's not here to farm. Yes, he did play Lily as well. And then their their meta read so good. You have like the hyper carries of Jinx, Kaisa, uh, and Vayne, stuff like this, which I think 
not many teams doing other than really Schalke was doing it. And I feel like there's this, this difference as a matter where the top teams of G2, Rogue, Fnatic feel like the Scion Blind Big's really strong. They think it's super OP. And then you have the teams like Mad and Schalke who don't really care about it. Uh, and then they just counterpick it. And then they just go for a triple threat composition. And I feel like if you look at Mad Lines, Rogue, I don't know how much I would attribute to Rogue playing badly in that, especially the game where the fourth game of Velos fed Infernal. Fourth, fourth game was for sure. I, I, I know that Odoamne said that they had a lot of uh, cluttered communication. They were all over the place. If this was any other game, they probably would have smashed them and they would outskill them anyway. And if you do look at the stats, raw numbers, Mad Lions was losing those lanes in general across the board. It didn't, it didn't stand out too much, but they were losing the lanes just statistically. So you can see that Rogue were pushing the advantage in lane phase itself. But yeah, Rogue, hectic communication is getting caught out a lot. But how much do you attribute that to Mad Lions being like, Okay, let's try and catch this scout. Let's take it one step at a time. We're, we're Infernal Soul down. We're down 6k gold at 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Most teams would just shut down. But then they take a step back and like, okay, let's just wait for them to int. Blunder number one, blunder number two. Take it step by step by step. So they were very, although, yeah, that game was a stomp. They were very clinical in the way that they came back. It was very slow progression. It wasn't like, oh, Rogue threw a huge team fight. They got Baron. They're back in it. It was very, very clinical of catching people out, choosing the right fights. And then Armut ended up carrying the game on Ur Urgot, in my opinion. Um... I don't know where this form of Mad Lions has come from, honestly. Because the whole split long, we didn't really rate well, them as a top team, but they did finish third. They did finish third, but it did feel... I mean, the thing is, this regular season was so scrappy. There's so many, Remember that it was Mad Lions who were winning so many games that they ultimately just kind of threw. Now, we look at yeah, the last time true. that Rogue and Mad played in the regular season. We looked at this a lot on the analyst desk on the day. This was a game where their composition was kind of booty, to be honest. It was like Ari plus Lilia mid. It was just like... Maybe not the strongest scaling duo in terms of damage output against a very tanky enemy team, but they built a lead. They got an Ocean Soul, and mm -hmm. ultimately they still lost a game. People will remember that as the game where Odawamne went down to like six health and then back to full. Hashtag just Aatrox things. Uh, <laughs> classic. And then the uh, the Larson Shockwave to follow. That was the big that was a big team fight, the big turning point in this game. Mm -hmm. um, and I I'm still stunned. That is the biggest change to me for Mad Lions that really blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Is Mad Lions were pretty consistently solid in the early game partially mostly due to el yoyo and shout out to el yoyo as a rookie coming up and delivering the same if not a better performance than your regular season performance in one of your first stage appearances ever mm. is pretty much unthinkable some other rookies have had similarly good performance but it's so so rare so big shout out to el yoyo but overall like the mid late game is what blows my mind and i don't know what changed in communication what changed in practice or or preparation but mad were the team that i expected were to be most likely to grief it on mm. stage because they did it worlds and that was obviously there's also 14 quarantine there's they were traveling to china like of, i think it's pretty reasonable for any team to struggle to perform with that big massive transition when it comes to worlds last year but like there was just in the past mad were the team that did struggle to transition that performance and instead they've not only performed at the level they did in regular season they've well surpassed it to be pretty damn good mid to late yeah. game i think that when i looked at the whole playoffs bracket i was i think the one thing that i said about mad was if anyone's gonna upset in this whole playoffs bracket it's probably mad lines and i think you could see that through the whole split long like you said they were winning the majority of their games but they threw them in the mid to late game so you've got we already said about what this is about mad lines good fundamental early games is always a good structure for a team especially with rookies and then the fact that you have a really good early game all you need to do is transition leads and they're, they just kept getting caught out. They didn't transition leads against Rogue. Five-man shockwaves, the game's over. There was games against Misfits where they just randomly started losing when they're ahead. So Mad Lions, a lot of their losses were on them. So I feel like they've really embraced that. And like I said before, the meta read is just 
so good. Armored so flexible. They're really high priority Volibear. They were on the Oriana train already because Oriana's having so much success. And I think she is probably the strongest mid right now looking at playoffs. Then they had like things like Jinx Thresh. They were always rotating Alistar. And they had a good plan against Rogue. Ban out Nar, force him to blind pick Sion, then just counter pick top, triple threat composition. So I think their preparation was really, really good in this series. Um, their play as well was really, really flawless, I feel like, uh, barring the game four, which I think <laughs> kind of sucked. And then the loss, obviously. But I think that Mad Lions as a whole were just playing well as a team. And you could see that they were not really throwing as much. Yeah. They were really sticking to their guns and just playing around, around vision, around neutral objectives. And of course, as much as the team play was really fantastic, uh, also Botlane really stepped up. And I think that was the other big thing, right? Because if we were going to isolate a single weak point for this team, it was probably Botlane. Mostly just due yeah. to the huge inconsistencies in their performance. Um, Kaiser and Karzig were very good last year domestically. Um, and kind of, I mean, they griefed it in a lot of games this season, right? Like that's ultimately <laughs> yeah. what it comes down to. They griefed it. And this time... The 2v2s were yeah, atrocious. And, and Karzi and, and Kaiser talked to me about this on PGL a lot about kind of like how, how they've just been able to step up and how Karzi's much more in his comfort zone playing things like the Jinx, playing things where the team kind of plays around him and sets him up for success. But similarly, we also just saw Kaiser be an absolute bamf. It was, you know, kind of apparent in the Thresh game, but obviously anytime anyone pops off on Alistair, you're instantly like... That's a carry. That's yeah. the carry. That's the carry right there, officer over there. He's yeah. the one who's uh, carrying this game. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. It's, I also, so one thing I kind of missed in a way is like in this series uh, of a Mad Lions Rogue, I do feel like Rogue had the upper hand in the early game 100%. So even though we do attribute Mad Lions as like one of the best early game teams, I yep. do really do think Rogue was winning the early games. But yeah, they stuck together. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And it was, this is what, what I'll say on the Rogue point. Um, Odoamne talks so much about com comms as the primary issue that I didn't I didn't really want to go into this then. But what I will say yeah. is that like you did see some scattered performances from Rogue members is what I will say. Because as good as the laning phases were, Larson had an yeah. uncharacteristically high amount of deaths. Highest deaths per game in playoffs next to Blue, um, which is pretty surprising oh. given that Blue was, you know, a guy who struggled. We already talked about it a lot. So um, we'll, we'll see kind of how Rogue step up. That's going to be a big question to see, obviously, following the Shock Fnatic match, whoever they do end mm -hmm. up playing. But I think on, on the side of G2... Mad said it, 50% strength is what they were talking about. They thought G2 was at 50% strength and 50% form. And so this version of Mad is very good. Hell, this version of Mad might be better than the version of uh, G2 that we saw versus Schalke. Probably is, to be honest. That, mm. that was, even in that game five, they were like, they were preying on some balanced decisions with that Seraphine to carry them through the game. Yeah, the and, Seraphine. And was, yeah. They did play very well to get to that stage. I don't want to take too much away from them, but... Seraphine definitely uh, <laughs> saved the day. That champion doesn't mm -hmm. exist. It might not be a win for G2. So I'm I'm wondering, and I would love to get your thoughts on how much better do we think G2 gets into this week? Like, is this just instant Super Saiyan or do G2 need to be like locked down, knocked down to the loser's bracket before they start like tryharding for their life, you know, being a step ahead in the meta? Because we've seen it before. G2 frequently get knocked down to the loser's bracket just to instantly go Super Saiyan in the next game. Yeah, I think the cool thing for Rogue, for uh, Mad Lions at least, is the G2 that we saw against Schalke is very similar to the Rogue that Mad Lions just faced. You know, they're always yeah. blind picking Scion. They want to look for control mage mid. Azir, Caps was also playing that. But they're also down to play Lucian mid, which is exactly what Larsen and Caps did as well. So I think Rogue is very similar to G2, uh, which is good for Mad Lions in a sense. So that'll definitely help them the best fight. But will G2 go Super Saiyan? <laughs> it's a very nice way of saying it. But I think <laughs> I think there's a high chance they do. I think I, th I have this, for some reason, there's this gut feeling in me that tells me G2 is going to smash Mad Lions into the pavement and it's going to be a quick 3-0. 
I don't really, I have the, I have the exact opposite yeah, but, feeling. Yeah, but then this there's other, like no analysis to support yeah, either one, but it's no. just this feeling in your gut, yeah, this right? Yeah, it's just this weird feeling that I feel like Mad Lions has like risen to the point where it's like, whoa, wait, why did we miss about Mad Lions? It's almost like they've been invisible, but now I'm like, wait, if we actually look into Mad Lions, damn, they're pretty good. What the hell is this? But I still feel like G2 is going to smash them. But then my other analytical side is telling me like, wow, Mad Lions, their drafting is so good. Their meta read is amazing. They're playing through the lane so well. Their early games, even though they've been a bit shaky, El Yoya has been, to me, the standout jungler of playoffs so yeah. far. This could go to five games and Mad Lions could take down G2 again. So I'm so torn between G2 is going to stomp, Mad Lions going to make it five games and win. So I don't really know. I guess it does all come down to G2's form because I feel like if G2 is in form, and when I say in form, I mean like, not being sloppy, throwing your leads, diving tier two, getting ace, losing Baron, and then having to try hard again. Yeah. Or just disrespecting your opponents, having fun, skipping bands, drifting around the rift, stuff like this, you know, uh, as, as funny as it was. And like, they probably thought the series was over and then all of a sudden they get caught off guard. Um, as funny as it was, if they went full tryhard, I really feel like G2 would win this series. Um, but yeah, like Mad Lions, they're already taking down Rogue and G2 is very similar to Rogue, like I said, uh, in, in the playoffs round one at least. And I feel like Mad Lions with the triple threat comp with Armut on these team fighters like Wukong and Nurgot has really been showing up. Absolutely has. I'm thrilled for that it's series. Hard. It's so hard to predict, man. Like, yeah. honestly, predicting playoffs is impossible. Like, this is the first time I'm in, in a playoffs where it's like, so who's going to win? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's so hard to say. Ah. Both teams have different strengths. Uh, the meta is so weird right there's now. Too, there's too many variables. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out, though. We'll get um, formal predictions. We'll, we'll see. You're, I believe you're on the analyst desk for that one, so we'll get to hear more of your brilliant analysis yeah, as the I'm day so goes through G2 yeah. versus Mad. Um, Schalke versus Fnatic, though, is, of course, going to be the first best of five of the week. And to talk about it, we have upset standing by. First, we're going to talk to him a little bit about Fnatic, a little bit about him, a little bit about the team environment there. But then we will give you a look into that series, what to expect before we close out the show. A little peek through the whole of Fnatic. See, deep insight. That's what we're going to provide here. Magicius. What's it, Magicius? <laughs> Magicus. Magicus. <laughs> anyway, let's talk to Upset. Again, we had Odo earlier. Now we get Upset. It's a day of banger guests. Upset, um, welcome to the show. Normally, we would instantly kick off with talking about your match this past week. But since you already talked about it a lot on PGL, I instead want to talk about you. So, in classic, generic interview fashion, how you doing? How, how, what, what's going on in your world? How's life? <clears throat> Um, doing pretty good. Just scrimming, practicing, enjoying solo queue. It's a nice matter to be AD carry. I feel like usually there can be some more boring champs like Ashton and stuff being played. But right now you have the choice, and you can play Kaisa, Tristana, Zaya. So I'm loving it. Practice is fun. So yeah. The way you good. said uh, the way you said enjoying solo queue there sounded a bit sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that you're I heard that you're doing a lot with Hillesang to get to like Diamond One dodging promos because Master there's no duo queue, right? Uh yes, that's that's what we're doing, yeah. Dang, that's brutal. I, I like I don't know, man. I have I shouldn't share my thoughts because I'm uneducated on the the high elo um systems but it just seems so trash to me that pro bot lanes have to like can't actually do Diamond One. Yeah. You have to choose between challenger games or whatever or like or do okay. I mean, the games are still like Grandmaster Challenger because your MMR gets inflated. But it, it's really bad because you never play those duo queues, but you still are in games. You're in games where there's supposed to be no duo queues, but you're DR1, but your MMR is way higher. So, ah, yeah. yes. <laughs> like the it's, people it's in like Bronze 4 <laughs> who perma dodge but have like cracked MMR just so they can say they're Bronze 4 in these like Diamond 1 lobbies or whatever. Oh, man. Yes. It's yeah. basically the same. 
absolute <laughs> so, nightmare. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's it's actually <laughs> hilarious to me though that you're one of the few AD carries I've heard say that they like this meta when there's you know Chem Tank Hacker and running around one shot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I respect mean, it. Jungle is always broken. Nothing ever will change about that. I think so. It's probably better than a Kha'Zix, right? As usual. Yeah, it's actually true. Ah, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> Hecarim is. Hecarim is so broken, it's disgusting. Like 900 <laughs> move speed knocks me away. Four second fear, like best ganks in the game, clear super mm -hmm, fast. Mm -hmm, like, yeah, mm -hmm. good job, guys. Yeah. Nice, nice match. <laughs> Love it. Shout out to Mark Yeter. Yeter. I don't know. I don't want to pronounce your name, Mark. We're technically colleagues. Shout out to you, buddy. Um, all right. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> shout out to the balance. Wait, wait, this. <laughs> okay. Um, so, talking about you, a little bit less about Fnatic at first. You've had. A pretty crazy path in pro play because I think that like you were you were super super hyped coming into the league for the longest time. You had you had your finals appearances and then kind of on OG everything went to shit to just put it as simply as possible. And now you get this like this chance to like rebuild rebuild yourself on Fnatic and it's going super 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 well. Do you feel like this year was did it feel like to you like a do or die season and a do or die year for you and kind of your reputation as an AD carry when you get put on Fnatic? Um, I'm trying to think very long term when it comes to my career, because I think in order to reach the goals that I have, everything needs to fit very well. It's not just about me. It's about the whole, uh, culture and the team and everything needs to fit to like win the split or to go to worlds. And I'm just trying every day to give my best. And I don't try to think too much about my reputation or my perception if of the in social media or the public i just try to improve and uh, try to help my team and do the best i can and then hopefully it will pay off so uh i don't really think of this year as like it's my last chance yeah. i think uh i'm still like a very good player like i was before even though after the summer split in origin people might feel have felt a little bit different to me it's not really what's what's true to me because I see myself play every day in scrims and in solo queue and I play so much. So I, I still feel very good about my play and I'm still looking to improve and reach the success that I have set out for myself. I think it uh, sounds like a, just a very humble perspective in general. And it seems to be a mentality that from what I've heard in interviews is, is kind of shared by you in the entire Fnatic lineup. You, when you came on PGL, you talked a lot and you were very, um, there's a lot of times where a player like pops off and you're like, yeah, woo, great, had a great series. But you were very insistent on like, I had a great series, but I had a great series because Whippa was miserable on tank duty, tanking so much <laughs> pressure. I had a great series because like other people were setting me up and you were kind of making sure to shout out all the team and everyone else who had like contributed to that success. Is this is this a culture and is this something about Fnatic that you think everyone shares that they're all really willing to put aside the like the personal and the ego and the like, I don't know, the desire to carry to let other people step up when it makes sense? Well, it's just something that I've learned through past experiences, I would say, because uh, you can have like a great team and you go to finals or whatever, you do really well and you are the superstar and then you're the same player, but your team isn't working out that great and you you still feel like you're the same player, but it's just not clicking and it's uh, very much so a team game and the... The appreciating, I think, the good things that let you shine in the team or that let you be the player you can be is something that I learned over the years. And it's really, yeah, I'm really grateful for it when it happens because it doesn't always happen. And 
when your team lets you do that and helps you and facilitates you and lets you be the the guy to carry a game then you should be very grateful for it and not take it for granted that and think that you're just that good you know because you're not just that good your team <laughs> has to do a lot in order to win you yeah. don't want to win a game it's not how the game works yeah you want piece of puzzle of and how's the how's the mood in Fnatic? Because from the outside, it looks like you guys are laughing on player cams. The content you guys are meshing so well together. To me, it almost looks like you guys are growing into some sort of family together. Uh, yeah, I think we got along pretty well. I think we're having a lot of fun, spending a lot of time together. But like in every team, there's always <clears throat> problems, of course. Um, we all got pretty sick and I think this put a lot of stress onto people individually and then it created some conflict in the team, which is totally normal, but it's not like all fun and games. We are very competitive people and we try really hard, but overall, I would say that our team is getting along quite well and we are yeah, having a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think so. that's an interesting thing that I think the public hasn't got as much insight into kind of coming into into this whole thing coming into playoffs is like how how much the the whole issues with corona and with players getting sick like affected you guys is that something that that you think is like are you guys still feeling the ramifications of that does it do you still feel like you are maybe dragging a little bit behind because of practice time that you lost or because of you know maybe conflicts that are now popping up because of it like how do you think that that issue that came in in week eight is still is still affecting you guys now as you prepare for the second week of playoffs i mean I think at this point, after winning, it, it felt to me more like a reset. And then we had two days off because no one was scrimming because they were playing them, the games themselves. And I think we got like kind of a breather. But usually when you like lose a few games in a row, like we had a super week where we went 0-3, right? And people were not feeling well. And then people start doubting things and see issues and they get amplified. And people don't have the energy to really work on them effectively and then you lose some scrims and then it can snowball very fast but after we won versus sk i think everyone got like a breather and thought like okay we did a lot of things well as well and we can perform on stage when it matters in playoffs and uh, yesterday was the first day actually where everyone could be back in the same room and practice together mm. um, and it was a very nice feeling and it's it's a really different energy, I think, being in the same room with people. I mean, of course, we were on stage together or like practicing one guy at home. And then the reviews are really different because you're not there in person mm -hmm. and you can't look in the face and see how they're reacting and how they're feeling. Uh, so, yeah, I think now we're on a good track again. Uh, have some stuff to work on from SK, of course. But uh, now it feels much more like a reset and that we can get back to where we wanted to be. I mean, that's fantastic to hear. Um, yeah. On the subject of kind of outside pressure. I think it's really interesting because um, whenever we talk about Fnatic, we always think about like expectations on Fnatic. Because no matter what Fnatic is doing, no matter which players are playing Fnatic, I feel like there's always these huge expectations on this team. And right now, you guys came in, 9-9 split happened in summer too. Fnatic obviously did much better in playoffs, able to qualify for Worlds. You guys have a 9-9 season this time. It's kind of a little bit more scraping into playoffs this time around just because of how things have worked out. And you're now in a position where if you, let's say, drop out against Schalke, um, this is going to be one of the worst finishes that Fnatic has had in a long time. Like when you when you get on stage, when you think about pressure on stage, is that something that comes to mind at all? Like the pressure of the organization, the pressure of the expectations of fans, or are you and the team kind of veteran enough to to put that side into play without without considering any of these external factors? When I think about my teammates, I think they handle pressure very well, and for me, 
the most pressure that is on me is probably from myself because the feeling of losing is very depressing and feels very terrible and winning is quite the opposite so and i also don't want to perform bad ever of course because i we play so much right this is all we do so i i don't even feel the extra pressure from being like in fanatic because myself i don't want to allow myself to play bad or lose uh, versus for example schalke so i don't really feel the extra pressure and i do think my teammates handle pressure really well even though i didn't ask them specifically if fanatic like being in fanatic pressures them extra but mm-hmm. For me, I feel the same. Like, I don't want to lose if I'm in Origin or if I'm in Schalke or mm. if I'm in Fnatic. It's playing on stage feels like playing on stage to me. Yeah, and you're up against Schalke this weekend. Uh, and I think that for me, the biggest thing in the in the SK series was <laughs> the bot gap. <laughs> you got, <laughs> I was looking at some stats. I'm not a big stats person. I don't like tunnel visioning on stats. But you had some crazy stats. You're 25 CS up at 15 on average which I think is pretty ridiculous. How how are you and Hillesang meshing so well together? Is it that you want to go aggressive with him? Because I remember Hillesang even on Twitter was saying that the only stat he cares about is how many deaths he has. He just wants to have the most deaths <laughs> in the league. So he just wants to go in. How is it playing with him? Do you sometimes have to like say, okay, let's not go for this? Or do you say, okay, screw it. Go in. If we die, we die. If we get a double kill, that's perfect too. Yeah, uh, I think it's all about commitment when you play with Hillesang. Um <laughs> He will go for it when he thinks it's good. And you have a choice to commit or not, but if you don't commit, then at least I feel a little bit bad, like, because I'm sure he saw something there, right? He's a very good player. I think he sees situation. He sees windows of engagement or like 2v2 better than anyone I ever played with. Sometimes it backfires, of course, because there's also a lot of small things that have to, you have to play right. Like you have to play it good that it works and other people will not go for it. But yeah, if I think it's all about commitment with him, so uh when he goes for it i try to trust him in the moment because if you hesitate often it will go bad and so far at least in laning phase it has been working out very well and yeah it feels really good to play with somebody that can take the lead and find engages and just go you know yeah and i mean it definitely yeah. has worked out. and it's worked out well for you too even with hill saying racking up deaths you're the only 80 carry in playoffs right now with zero deaths at 15 i know you're a, i know you're a stats guy actually upset we talked about it before <laughs> you keep you keep up with the stats because you're like because when people want to come and check you and be like well you're not doing very in lane you're like check the numbers they don't lie you're, you're like <laughs> look lie. at my cs like you're the only pro player i know who like brings up stats on their own so you probably know these I numbers mean, already if you don't win a split you need something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> consolation prize good stats yeah you have like the high <laughs> forward percent um fanatic has 100 first blood ratio you guys are like super super cracked in this early game so when you think about shalka i honestly like despite the fact that shalka got fourth through the tiebreakers i didn't expect a lot from shalka in playoffs but as, as a spectator on the outside i was actually pretty impressed by what they showed against g2 it really mm-hmm. really caught yep. me off guard what were what were your thoughts on kind of on that series shalka versus g2 are you do you feel like you did how much did shalka improve from the regular season if at all what did you think like the big differences were for them I also thought they played better than I expected. I think as most people, sorry, I thought it was going to be a 3-0 from G2 because, well, it's G2 and usually they have like very good plans for best of fives and play very structured. And in a best of five, that's very valuable assets. But Schalke actually managed to break a lot of the things that G2 does well. And I was impressed by Limit and Gilius a lot, I think. And even also Broken Blade, I think 
really popped off in some of these games and like actually carried, which was impressive. Getting a pentacle on Darius doesn't happen every day. So <laughs> I think the strength that Schalke showed was a lot in their engages and how Limit found opportunities, how Gillies played the early game, how Broken Blade carried later on in the game. So yeah, I, I didn't expect them expect the series to be that close and uh, I was impressed by them because I thought they were also a weaker team than what they showed. So after seeing the performance against G2, do you see this team as a threat? Do you think they're able to match you guys? How do you think the series will play out? I think it would be quite uh, cocky to not see them as a threat if they nearly took down G2, right? Um, but I do feel pretty confident that that we will do well versus them. I think <laughs> Botland will be will be a schmurder this time around. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I, I, can, I can always tell when you're like you're like okay. I have what I'm thinking in my head, and then I have what I need to translate. <laughs> so I'm not either flaming people or being too cocky because your speech always slows down by like eighty percent. You're like I think Botlane will be mm, uh, okay schmurda yeah, we'll go schmurda yeah and i think that's like that's a fair call out right because everyone everyone is talking about how how fantastic limit played in that series he had yep. the lowest duo proxy he literally just left perma left lane to like go help other lanes he was all over His the engages map. were yeah but my assumption is that he doesn't really get to do that against you and hella saying like is this is this when you think about playing against limit is it like is it going to be like and I don't want you to give away too much strategically here, but is this a game where you just expect it to be like, we're going to fight you so much 2v2 that you will never get to roam, you will never get to go to another lane? Or is this is this the matchup where you and Neon just face each other down in the farm zone bottom lane while supports are like free to just roam and you guys just play a 1v1 lane? Like, what do you actually expect in the series? Uh, I, I mean, it always depends very much. So on the draft plan, right? Like if you're playing certain champs, it's not easy to show the aggression as much or depending on your jungle pathing but i expect uh some 2v2 kills and i, I expect a lot of fighting uh otherwise yeah uh, i think we will do pretty well and i think we will play like we usually do so i feel pretty confident about that 2v2 but i i wouldn't underestimate them i think they showed some decent landing phases against g2 bot lane and i think they are overall not bad players at all, but yeah, I do feel very confident in me and Hillesang taking mm -hmm. the 2v2. Are, are you guys, statistically, you guys are like the murder duo. And you guys are like, I would argue, probably in terms of output, the strongest laning duo in terms of advantages built. The murder duo. The murder duo <laughs> that we have. We gotta, if we don't have a buzzword, we were talking to this Odo, we have to have the narrative buzzword. Yeah, the we need to keep machine. it. People need to know. They need simple the concept. Renekton bad upset hill saying murder duo they need simple concepts to follow murder duo you're the murder duo um do you, are, do you guys think that you are the strongest 2v2 bot lane in the league like if we just play isolation 2v2 tournament is it just you just two to the death to the death is it just you two to the top every single time by far by far <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> gotta get so chills okay. you let me know you let me know whenever you want to retire no, no, we got a spot I, I, <laughs> you're no, just too good i think landing <laughs> I think landing phase, we are the, definitely the best at creating advantages and killing people, yes. Mm. But there's a lot of things to the game, and but 2v2, I, I do believe we're the best, yes. Gotta bring back that 2v2 tournament. Hell yeah. Magma Chamber, baby. What was that? I'll see you in the Magma Chamber. Oh my god, Magma <laughs> Chamber, what a meme. Uh, <laughs> um, kind of as a, as a last question to, to kind of wrap us up here. Um, 
Is the best version of this Fnatic roster right now one that plays around you? Because that's what we saw. And you said yourself, like, Bupa took a step back. He let you step up and carry. And I know you guys have talked about how you feel like anyone can carry. You have great players in every role. But is the best version of Fnatic at this moment one that sets you up to succeed? Mm, I would think the best version for the team is probably when Oscar could play carry champs and carry. The meta makes this a little bit more difficult right now with the tanks. But uh, jungle is usually king, and I think playing like the meta is still a lot about farming. So I think if Oscar does the, would perform the best from every player on the team, I think this is when we would be our strongest, or when Hillesang performs the best, because support jungle are really broken roles. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah, they are indeed. Especially broken. support, you just don't have to farm. What the hell? <laughs> every other role is like leashed to something. Supports just roam through your lane, take three creeps, just kill someone and then leave. Oh, God. Disgusting. Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Shout out to Medic, trying to convince people otherwise. Yeah, support Um I like it. And honestly, I'm upset. I feel like I keep, I give you these alley oops where you can just give me the max ego answer and you never do. And you miss any, and I know it's deliberate. I know you're like team, team, team. And I like it. I love the honesty. I love the development because... While I don't think, knowing you and having known you for most of your career, I don't ever think that you were like a super ego player. I think you got that reputation. And I think that it's good to have these moments. And I hope that anyone who still thinks that of you can like see past that. Because when you're like, nah, look, like I'm great. I'm a good ass player. We're, we're the murder duo. <laughs> but, but at the same time, like you can acknowledge, look, jungle supporter OP, the best version of Fnatic is one that plays through Oscar when the Medica allows it. Like that, that kind of level of reflection, I think is, is super cool to hear. Yeah, uh, I I also don't. I mean, yeah, I agree. <laughs> he has something on his mind now, but yeah. he thought that was <laughs> it's all good. Um, I'll let this. I'm gonna let this be the end of the podcast. Normally, like we say goodbye and then we do uh, do a closeout. Um, predictions for this weekend from you, upset. Every let me just run me through every every series, quick and dirty. Doesn't need to be anything super bold. Just give me a give me a score and who's taking each series. First up, Shaka versus Fnatic. I think we will take it 3-1, and then I think G2 Matt will be five games, I think. Ooh. If it's five games, I think G2 will win, or maybe Matt wins 3-1. I think if it's not five games, G2 Matt lose, but in the I see them winning in the experience, maybe like same with Schalke, they stayed so calm in game five, even though they like threw a huge lead and they were really struggling. You could see the experience really coming in. Uh, but actually, I do think Matt is very good. I think, especially there, I think Kaiser had an outstanding series. And mm -hmm. even though their bot lane struggled throughout the split, I thought Kaiser performed exceptionally well. And I always thought that uh, their top side was very good because even though when their bot lane had huge struggles in the split from, from the outside at least, their top side was still carrying a lot of games like Armut, Elioia, and Humanoids have been performing very well, I think. So this team is not to be underestimated, I think. Uh, so yeah, it's very close. I would probably give it to G2, but I, I can see an upset with Mad Lions winning. And then us versus Rogue, if we beat Schalke, I feel very good about the series as well. So okay, I think we, would, we will win both and G2 will win. 
probably. How, how do you feel about narratives or like the meme for the day? I don't know why. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> it just happened. How do you feel about the you taking revenge against Odawamne, your former teammate? Oh, you really narrative? want to push this narrative? <laughs> no, don't I don't actually. I just think it's funny, and I always, I always love looking at how pro players react to ideas like this. How do you feel about like if we just like start talking about the? Is there? Could you guys just like Odawamne upset bad blood? He always, you always wanted yeah, to take the farm. This is, <laughs> there's this deep fire burning inside of me to beat Odawamne. I was burning swapped off and play Yes, <laughs> swapped off and play Kalista. We'll be back, bought with Silasang. I'll play Kalista top just for the, for the just revenge. for the narrative. <laughs> That's what. Yeah, CSD. I'm telling you, you're such a homie. Let me know. You need a casting job. I'll talk to Trevor. We got you. We got you. I assume being a pro player is a better deal, but like, you let me know. You let me know. Okay. Thank you, Upset, so much for coming right. on the show. Uh, everyone else, this has been season seven, episode eleven of Euphoria. Check the show out. We're kicking off with uh, Shock vs. Fanatic. Cadel and I will be casting, and you can tune in um, at the normal time. Twitch.tv/lec. See you there.